Hello and welcome, it's that time of month again, the monthly and finally podcast review of August. A light-hearted review of the month in football. So where to start? Well, it's been a busy month with transfers, lots of retirements and some of the men even realised we're still playing. There was Vincent Company's fresh start, the first trophies of the season and proper league football finally kicking off. Added to that, there have been clubs already struggling financially and social media doing what it does best and blame everyone else for the abuse that is allowed on their platforms. Right, I'm going to start with Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the best footballers of the current era, but he is currently the target of South Korean Ayer after his Juventus team faced a Korean K-League side in Seoul and he sat on the bench for the entire 90 minutes. That so enraged some of the Koreans that they made a criminal complaint over alleged fraud, which was given credence by the K-League who have accused Juventus of deceiving them over Ronaldo's participation. The fans are threatening a class action lawsuit against him, no really, for not playing. Even more bizarre, one Korean calling himself a former diehard Ronaldo fan followed the Juventus team to Sweden so he could hound Ronaldo there where they went for the International Champions Cup. Quack G Hook then posted an 11-minute clip on his YouTube channel, not that he was looking for publicity or followers for it, of course, of himself shouting, why didn't you play in Korea at Ronaldo in the lobby of the team hotel? He also followed Ronaldo around displaying a sign written in Portuguese. Quack, who seems a bit quackers to be fair, then acts surprised when he is ignored. Personally, I think the surprising thing is that Ronaldo didn't tell him to F off. Speaking of legal action, and that arrogant prick Dean Saunders has proved he can get away with more than deliberately ending a fellow pro's career with a nasty challenge. Saunders was caught out drink driving and barely able to stand after a day at the races, but despite being sentenced to 10 weeks in jail, he was out after one day pending an appeal. It's kind of ironic after he made up a false story about Brian Clough being drunk and trying to sign him in an attempt to get work as an after-dinner speaker and pundit, Lyon does seem to come naturally to him, like when he said he had only had one pint, or when he said he never meant to hear Elliot. The beginning of the month saw Redding owner, and I apologise in advance for my mangled attempts to pronounce his name, Young Dai, offered to pay for the travel of the club's fans to the 15 furthest away matches in the season. Any of the fans who are a member of the club supporters trust is eligible to have their coach travel paid for. He did rule out train travel after realising it would be cheaper to buy Barnsley and relocate it in Reading than it would be to pay for train tickets for the game. Plus, it would only end up swapping over to a coach once they got to the first stop anyway. Maurizio Pochettino came out and complained about his job title this month. He is unhappy with the title manager and feels it should be changed to coach as he does not control transfers. Apparently, he ruled out the alternative job title of managers to throw away any chance of winning a trophy. There was also the shock news that Millwall had been punished by the FA because their supporters were guilty of racist chants. I mean, who would have thought it of a lovely family club like Millwall? In fact, that seems to be one of the themes of August. No, not Millwall, but racist abuse. There was the Fulham fullback Cyrus Christie, whose sister was attacked by a couple of Fulham fans in a racially motivated incident. At the same game, those Fulham fans also suspect, sus- subjected even Barnsley defender Bambo Diaby to racist chants, and there were many other instances throughout the month. Of course, there were, as always, floods of racist abuse directed at a number of players on social media for things such as missing penalties, and as always, Twitter, Facebook, etc. claim they are trying to stop it while actually doing nothing at all about it. Even the Schalke president, Clemens Tonys, got in on the act by stating that more power stations should be built in Africa rather than increasing taxes to protect the environment. 
according to both Schalke and Tony, saying that then the Africans would stop cutting down trees and produce ba- producing babies when it is dark is not at all racist. Despite that, Tony did step down for three months because his comments broke the club's anti-discrimination policy. Schalke backed him and said that his job would be kept open for him. Obviously, they feel strongly about discrimination in Schalke and are taking the strongest possible action against him by doing absolutely F all. At least the fans disagreed and held protests against him, asking him to leave their club, which of course was completely ignored. The English Football League unveiled a new policy this month of threatening fans who text during matches were being thrown out of matches. While they make absolutely no efforts to deal with problems such as racist abuse, the minute someone threatens their TV income, they act immediately. While they don't employ anyone to deal with racial abuse, they do employ a company to perfect protect them from the severe threat of someone streaming matches. And that company has undercover security guards who will throw you out if they think you are using your phone too much. Good to see that they have their priorities in order. Just to prove that greed is good is not only an English thing, Juventus have changed the design of their iconic black and white striped shirts so that they could sell more of them in the USA. Their shirts were originally not county kits and have changed just as county dropped out of the English league. All because they look like the strips umpires use in US sports. To add to that, Juve also asked Serie A to schedule more early kickoffs for the global audience, despite match going fans hating them. Anything to make more money. Speaking of money grabbers, and every Arsenal fan's favourite former left back, Cashley Cole, retired to count his millions, probably after nearly crashing his car in amazement at being offered so little to continue playing. And while Cole was retiring at the age of merely 38, Clyde manager Danny Lennon was making his debut for the club at the age of 50 in a Glasgow Cup match. There is hope for us all yet. Well, maybe not all. Ed Treble Six got no chance. The man Ed 25 models himself on also retired in August at the age of 37. John the Beast Parkin, who had the physique of an overweight darts player, never quite made it to the Premier League, though he did win promotion to it with Stoke City. Hard to understand why he never got the chance to make the step up when he had the mobility of a hibernating tortoise and the finesse of a rhino on heat. It does feel like the Prem missed out on the sight of Parkin using his 17 stone frame to batter opposing defenders aside like an out of shape rugby forward. I do wonder if there was any connection to his retirement that Wigan Athletic announcing their new mascot on the same day. Were they worried you might attempt to eat it if they had brought it in during his playing days? Having Krusty the Pie dancing on the sidelines might just have been too tempting for him. Speaking of fat old players, Derby County announced a deal for Wayne Rooney to return as a player coach in January. Not that the coach bit of his role was any attempt to get round FFP rules by shifting half of his salary out of the playing budget. We all know Derby would never do anything like sell their stadium for over twice the value in a dodgy attempt to get round the regs. Oh no, Rooney is defo going to be a coach. I mean, we've all thought at one time, I'm sure, that such an intelligent guy is bound to make a great coach, right? Sticking with the theme of fat players, there was Renato Sanchez, the lumbering Portuguese lump who spent time on loan with Swansea, passing to advertising hoardings rather than teammates. He spent the month whining about not getting enough game time with Bayern Munich, even though it's hard to believe anyone would consider he was anywhere near good or mobile enough to play for them. He even complained that Bayern wouldn't sell him without considering they probably didn't get a lot of offers for a player with the mobility of Jan Mulby in his 80s and the skill of a heavily inebriated pub league player. The shocking thing was that someone did end up paying eighteen million pounds for him. Maybe it was someone coming back from a good night out working for the club and prank called Bayern only to end up actually signing him. Nothing else makes sense, does it? 
Another bizarre appointment was Gary Naismith, who returned to his former club Hearts as loan manager. He certainly had his hands full, as they had the sum total of one player out on loan at the time of his appointment. It was definitely a position they needed to fill quickly. And Bizarre sums up Red Star Belgrade's decision to put a tank outside their ground. I'm not sure what a T-55 Soviet-era tank has to do with footy, but they seem to think it is relevant and an attraction. I really don't get it, but it certainly is getting them a lot of publicity. And of course, we all feel sorry for poor impoverished Pep Guardiola, who spent most of August crying poverty and complained about not being able to spend much because Man City would only let him spend £150 million in the transfer window. It's a disgrace, I tell you. Poor Pep, no wonder he dresses like a man who only buys clobber from a jumble sale. It's clearly all he can afford if City won't let him shop in Primark. Then there was the Berry and Bolton sagas. Sold, unsold, sales blocked in court, fans being offered counselling on the NHS, one down but not out, one rescued and back in business. Bolton were forced to play their youth team in the league, while Berry had to scrap their academy after being booted out of the league. All the while, the police are looking into alleged fraud at Berry, which is no surprise the owner Steve Dale actions have been dodgy from the start, while blaming the EFL for working against the club. The EFL are certainly not blameless. The whole thing is just one big mess and it seems no one at the FA or EFL are learning from the problems. FFP was supposed to stop this happening. The fit and proper person's ownership test was meant to stop it. But neither are doing so as they are badly applied. This is where the FA should step in as an independent oversight body and bring in some legislation to the English game to protect clubs. Gareth Bale's golfing holiday in Spain has been interrupted this month. One minute Zidane was, is celebrating to be offloading him and telling all and sundry it was the best thing for all concerned, only for Bale to reject cha- reject moves as he is happy playing golf on his private golf course in his backyard, even when he is supposed to be training. Zizou was then stuck trying to pretend he was happy to have Bale available to him. To make matters worse for Zidane, Madrid's standout player this season has been Bale, making it even more difficult for him to deal with the Welshman. Time is ticking on Zidane's clock, tick-tock, as his time is heading to an end as manager of Madrid. I doubt he will survive long enough to be rescued by a Champions League this time around as they look miles off making a challenge for La Liga, even though Barca are not at the level of previous years. Vincent Company will certainly sympathise with Zidane as he is finding the switch to management difficult with Anderlecht as their player-manager. With results poor, he has handed over the reins on match days to his assistant, although so far that hasn't helped. It's really leaving Anderlecht with a dilemma as they're pretty much stuck with company. I doubt they can afford to get rid of him, but can they afford not to if things don't improve? I will end with a quick round-up of the interesting transfers in August. Coutinho linked with all and Sunday but ended up on loan at Bayern as no one else really wanted him. Man United went mad and splashed a world record for a defender. Fee on the slabhead, who already cost them goals due to being a- unable to actually defend. Um, Nicolas Pepe signed for Arsenal as Emery seemed intent on in- ignoring their desperate need for a defender and go all Kevin Keegan on his own. Trouble is, it seems to be more of a case of we will score three if you score four for the Gunners. PSG decided to increase their bell-end complement with the loan signing of Icardi. If they weren't already up there as the world's most hated club, they're intent on changing that this season. Poor impoverished Pep Guardiola could only afford to spend £60 million on another fullback. Is that seven or eight or more he has signed already? He bought at least three this summer alone. If only Man City were not so poor, he could have had a full team of them by now. There was an excellent and surprising piece of business by Everton. The Toffees managed to clinch exciting teenage forward Moyes Keane, despite his agent being quite clear early in the window that they would not even consider a move to Everton. 
Great work there, but all quickly undone when they signed Alex Awobi from Arsenal, whose only real attribute seems to be that his uncle is JJ Okocha. You can't win them all, though. Arsenal themselves realised their treatment table was looking a bit empty with the perennially injured Wilshire Welbeck and Ramsey gone, so they signed an already injured Kieran Turney from Celtic to solve that problem. Just to make sure that their defensive solidity did not improve too much for those three games a season Tierney is fit for, the Gunners also added David Luiz to make comedy sideshow Bob errors and ensure the goals flow. Emery will be gutted to have missed out on one of his main targets for the comedy backline, as Chris Smalling and his brother Mike headed off to Roma on loan. If nothing else, he will be useful in their quest to become top of the social media tree, as his gaffes will make for great memes for their social media team. And one final transfer that would probably have flown under the radar but for him being related to Steven Gerrard, and that is the move of young Bobby Duncan to Fiorentina. Well, less of a move and more of an escape from slavery from his pitifully low wage of just a few thousand pounds a week. I'm sure we all applaud his agent for working in such a dignified and quiet manner to, to get his quiet manner to get his client a move with no fuss to a place where he can start his career afresh. It's only what you expect from Saif Ruby, who has a social media history littered with homophobic comments. Still, it must be a nice change for him from trying to lure young models on Instagram with promises of helping them with their career in return for just a few pictures of themselves. I'm sure having such an upstanding even member of the community there to help Duncan would have been great while he was suffering what Ruby termed mental health issues due to Liverpool bullying his client. And he was such a great help to Saido Brino's career after all. So there we have it, the end finally for August. Take care and have a great week all.